Well, grace, mercy, and the peace of our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us this day. Amen. It's been said that the journey of a thousand steps begins, or a thousand miles, sorry. Now I gave away the answer. Journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, exactly. Any line dancers in the room? Nobody that wants to admit it, at least. I've done some line dancing. I know a few of them. Not many. Um, the ones that they play at the wedding receptions. I know most of those, at least. And then if I don't, then the wedding reception ones are pretty simple, so then you can learn it at the wedding reception. But you have to learn that, right? Otherwise, you're there in the middle of everybody, and when the whole crowd goes one way, if you don't know that, you could get run over. So you have to learn the steps. A few years ago, I started doing uh, Body and Soul with Paula. And for years, the videos of the workouts would be played in our house. And I would hear the, what the instructor would say. And occasionally, I would see what they were doing on the screen. But for the most part, I, had, I didn't connect those two things. But then I started participating in the workouts. And so I had to learn what some of these things were, Right? Now, you're not close to anybody, so you're probably not going to run people over or get knocked down, um, which is good, because in a workout, that's not a healthy situation. But you do have to learn the steps. Our journey of faith is somewhat like that. We have to learn the steps. We have to know what it is we're expected to do, and we have to figure out who we can follow. Who can you follow as you walk the road less traveled? That's what faith is, right? I mean, this journey of faith is somewhat like the road less traveled. Those words come from a Robert Frost poem. And it ends like this, two roads, in, uh, two roads divergent in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Sometimes we face that fork in the road and faith drives us, calls us, leads us toward a road less traveled. And that's because the journey of faith can be difficult. Hebrews 11, and this is where our reading, the first reading started today in Hebrews 11. And that's called the Great Faith Chapter, or like a Faith Hall of Fame. As a chapter, it describes all these different parts, mostly from the Old Testament, of things that happened, biblical history, and it relates all these things, recounts all these things that took place. And before the reading, there were things about creation and Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, who was called to the promised land, and then Abraham and Sarah regarding the birth of, well, descendants, not just one. And so there's all these things that they did, and it's by faith, by faith, by faith. And in the reading, that that kept coming back. By faith this happened. By faith they did this. By faith. And then there's Abraham and Isaac. As the chapter goes on, there's several more of these challenging things that people did, these difficult circumstances. Abraham and Isaac, and in, in verses 17 and 18, we heard these words, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Now that's a story from the Old Testament where Abraham, who was getting up there in years, when his son was finally born, the son of the promise was finally born, and 
there's some circumstances around that, and we don't have time to recount all of that, but then God said, take your son up to this mountain and offer him as a sacrifice. And by faith, it says here in Hebrews 11, he did that. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Now, don't worry. God stopped him in the act and provided the sacrifice. But by faith, he was willing to even do that, even to go there, to have a son on the altar and to be ready, I don't know how, to sacrifice his son. Do you suppose he talked to Sarah before he took Isaac and went up the mountain? I don't know. That sounds like a conversation he did not have because they'd been challenged along the way about this whole birth, right? But by faith, he was willing to follow God's instructions. The chapter goes on and talks about Moses' parents who hid him defying Pharaoh. And the thing to recognize in that is sometimes we obey God, not what we're told to do. Not what the authorities say, not what the government says. When that is conflicting with what God tells us to do, whom do we choose? Well, we better be choosing to obey God rather than men. To quote a verse from Acts. And then there's Moses' choice not to live as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. See, Moses was hid in the basket and floated on the river, and then Pharaoh's daughter found him and opened the basket and was like, hey, I have a kid now, and took him home and raised him as if he were her son. And so Moses grew up in the company of Pharaoh and in the palace or whatever it was called and grew up in this royal capacity, royal identity, but knew and identified with God's people Israel who were enslaved in Egypt at the time. And so Moses had a choice to make. And he chose to be connected and to be identified, even, as verse 25 tells us, to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So we might face the choice in the walk of faith to stand with people who are marginalized, Stand with people who've been mistreated or bullied to stand with them, to identify with them because they need someone or because that's what we're called to do. We might face the choice of giving up the opportunity we might have to follow the step of faith, to follow the road where God would lead. And then there's the Passover. In verse 28, he says, By faith, he, that's Moses, kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. That's toward the end of this whole Exodus account in Egypt when God said, okay, here's how it's going to go. The last of the plagues. Take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorposts and over the door. And do you think people were like, okay, that sounds fine. We'll kill a bunch of lambs and decorate our houses with blood? That's good for resale value. Sometimes by faith we do things that don't make a ton of sense. When God gives us this instruction or this command and our answer is, yes, Lord, we will. 
Then they come up out of Egypt, right? So this is how the story goes. After this plague and the destroyer, as it says here, comes through Egypt and the firstborn of Egypt, people and animals are all destroyed. And then, so Egypt's like, okay, yeah, time to go, right? And so they did get to go. And then Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He changes his mind and, well, the army goes after them, right? And they come to the sea, and then the sea is parted before them. So verse 29 tells us this, that they were walking between the walls of water, and this is literal steps of faith. Because can you imagine that? I mean, it's not quite as big as the Pacific Ocean. But can you imagine if the water starts dividing, and then there's dry ground? Do you walk into that? Like, because if it did this, it can do that, right? It's physics, you know? And that's a step of faith just to do that. Now, if the army's coming in, closing in on you, then maybe, okay, this is our only option. I don't know. But it's a step of faith to do that, to walk on the dry ground and then walking around Jericho, more literal steps of faith, because God said, here's how this battle's going to go. This is sometime later when they finally wander through the wilderness, come to Jericho. They're going to cross into the land, right? And God says, walk around. Okay. It's not a real big city, so you can walk around that. That's no problem. But then the last day, then they're walking around like all day long. And I bet there were people who were like, are we there yet? What do you want to, when do we attack? When when do we put swords and, you know, let's go? No, we're not going to keep walking. We keep walking. We keep walking until God takes action in his timing, because God does. See, faith can be a hard road, but in hard times, faith focuses on the future. We saw some of that in this chapter too, with Joseph giving instructions about his bones, making sure that his remains were taken from Egypt to the land, which Moses then did. More important than that, Joseph talked about God would visit his people. See, Joseph, Joseph was like the second-in-command level person when, because of famine, all of his brothers came down and all of Israel, it was not that many people at that time, came into Egypt. Joseph, later, knowing that his time was winding down, said, God's going to show up. When he does, everyone's leaving, and when that happens, take me with you. Moses got to take Joseph's bones and take them out of the land, of Egypt, back to the land. God would visit his people, though. Their time of slavery would come to an end, and so faith waits. In a section that we actually skipped over toward the end of the chapter, in verse 39, it says this, All these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. See, they were all looking forward to a time when God would rescue, redeem, forgive, and do the things that God was going to do, and they were waiting, and they were hoping, and they were wondering So if we've been in seasons where we're waiting or wondering or hoping, 
we can look back through Hebrews 11 and understand that God is faithful, but in his timing. That God's going to do what he's going to do, and we can still hope. Even while we hope, though, the hard path can feel lonely. It can feel lonely because it feels like no one has ever walked in our shoes. Like no one has gone this road, this route, this path where we're being led. No one has suffered as we've suffered or been asked to make the choices that we've been asked to make. And that's true in called ministry. That's true in the role that I have, but it's not only true in this role that I have. Because I don't know, I don't think, anyone who hasn't been through some kind of hardship, some kind of struggle, some kind of difficulty, especially in the last two and a half years. I I don't know of anybody who hasn't had some decision, some choice, some complex thing in life where the step of faith, the path of faith was one way and there was another choice that could be made. Everyone has a unique story. So we can feel like no one is on the path we're on, but here's a reminder, we don't walk alone. For, I think, for the last five years, I've attended a um, ministry conference in Phoenix, Arizona called Best Practices for Ministry, and Paula and the kids have been there, and um, it's a fantastic experience. They take great care of us. Um, but one thing that's always there is like a reminder, and you hear it again and again and again, like by faith in this chapter where it just keeps coming back. It's you're not alone. You're not alone. And, and so as they gather ministry volunteers and called ministry people and, and staff people from churches and mostly people who are doing ministry, but not just in a professional role, a lot of volunteers and, and lay leaders are there too. But it's a reminder that you're not alone. That you're not alone in this struggle that you're in. You're not alone in this hardship that you're facing. You're not alone, not just in ministry, but in life. We're not alone. We are surrounded by witnesses. This is how chapter 12 of Hebrews starts. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, a cloud of witnesses, people whose faith we can emulate. Do you remember crowds? Now, we don't go to quite as many places where there's crowds. It doesn't seem like anymore, but crowds are coming back, right? I mean, NFL preseason has started, and those stadiums are packed out with people in a few weeks or, I don't know, maybe next week. I don't know when the college football season starts. Maybe it already did. There's baseball. There's there's crowds. There's concerts happening. There's crowds. We don't face quite as many crowds. We're not in quite as many crowds as we used to be, but... Recently, we were in a crowd. The group that went to the Holy Land had a flight from Tel Aviv to Germany. And so the, there was 28 of us in this group. We all were headed toward the, the flight. And they, they picked a flight at 7 o'clock in the morning from Tel Aviv. Now, I guess they did that. That was maybe the only schedule we could get. I don't know. But that was early. And because it was an international flight... Because if you're in Israel, everything's an international flight. Because if you get on a plane and it gets to the end of the runway, you're almost in a different country. 
you got to get there at least a couple hours early, right? That's what I'm thinking. So we're going to get to the airport at 5. Well, they said three hours early. Then the day before, we were going to get on the plane. They said the airport's a zoo because of all these flight cancellations happening all over the world. So the airport's just completely packed out with people. You need to be there four hours early. Plus, Tel Aviv is not where we were staying. We were in Jerusalem. It's about an hour drive. You're doing the math, aren't you? And if you don't want to just roll out of bed, grab your suitcases, and get on the plane in your pajamas, you get up a few hours earlier, than, or a few, uh, at least sometime earlier than that. So we were up at like 1 in the morning, left the hotel at 2 in the morning to get to the airport at 3 in the morning, and I am fully expecting this has been exaggerated, and we're going to walk in there, there's hardly going to be anybody, we're going to zip right through this, and I'm going to get a nap by the gate. Wrong. <laughs> That was a crowd. Packed. This whole airport, which isn't that big, and there's just desk after desk after desk of the baggage check thing, right? You know how sometimes the baggage checks are like different U-shaped, whatever. It's just one continuous line, as far as the eye can see, and a sea of people, right? We get through the first level of security. We figure out where we're supposed to go, which is desk 30, We find desk 30, and then we start tracing our way back through this line. This is not much of an exaggeration, honestly. And for like the next hour plus, we're standing in this line, shuffling forward, carrying in our bags, ready to check them in. Uh, You can ask somebody that was on the trip. This is for real. I'm not making ad. This is not exaggerated, like, at all. It was crazy. We finally get through that. And then there's security, and you've got to go through security, so you get in that line too, and, and it's shuffled through, and it's... We're in a crowd, but it was far different from the cloud of witnesses. It's not just that we're surrounded. In that, it was chaos. It was everybody trying to go his own way. It was, I want to get to that, and this is my line, and your line is doing this, and nobody knows what's going on, and it was madness. The cloud of witnesses is people who surround us who are supporting, who are encouraging, who are going the same direction, who are all in this together. It's people who have gone before us and have blazed the trail of faith. Now, those trails all look a little bit different, but they've been down that road. They've made those hard choices. They've gone where we need to go. And it's people around us now. Those people who encourage and support and cheer one another on. See, we're all in this together. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Encourage, support, help one another. And if that is not enough, know this, Jesus endured on our behalf. So the cloud of witnesses, encouraging and supporting, etc., but think about this, or consider him, verse 3 says, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. He endured hostility. His road led to the cross where he laid down his life for us. The path following him doesn't go to a cross, though. It leads us to his cross and through his empty tomb to everlasting life in the presence 
of our God. So don't give up. Don't give in. Don't walk. Run. This is what verse 1 says, surrounded by witnesses. Then it says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Three points to, to pull out from here. First is lighten the load. Lighten the load. Military training, those guys put like 40 pounds on their backs and go for a jog, right? Marty, I'm going to look for you for verification. This is how it goes, right? That 40 pounds is to teach people how to bear, the, bear that weight and go, right? So that's how much your gear is going to weigh. So you've got to be able to do that. The race that we're called to run, take off the weight and go. Let go of all the things that are holding us back, that are slowing us down, that are getting in the way. Lay aside every weight. Release those burdens. Last week we said, we talked about don't worry. How often do our worries hold us back, our anxieties weigh us down, the burdens that we're bearing, the stresses that we're dealing with? How often are those making it hard to take that step? Lay aside regret, hurt, resentment, frustration, and lay aside sin which clings so closely. That word that's translated, cling so closely. It literally is a combination of three different pieces in Greek, and it's means good around standing. Not that it's good at standing around, <laughs> like a person leaning on a shovel near, a, like on the side of the road. But a stand, like clings so closely is, is probably a good translation. Like it's just something that's around us that doesn't, that inhibits us moving. And it's, doing a good job around us, making us stand or stuck. That's what sin does for us in this walk of faith. It keeps us stuck. It keeps us from moving forward. So lighten the load, the burdens, the weights, and sin, but then run with endurance. Keep going. Endurance is built through activity through ongoing action is how our endurance is built. You know, you first start doing some kind of exercise, chances are, if you've not been doing that for a while, you get tired pretty quickly, pretty early. People who've been through like a surgery or something, oftentimes there's physical therapy that follows that. And it's necessary. Why? Because muscle atrophy happens in our our legs get weaker and our cardiovascular systems tend to decrease in their capacity. Right? It's probably familiar. Because who hasn't gone from not doing something to try to do something and then you go, wow, I'm out of breath. <laughs> Same thing for our walk of faith. Our endurance is encouraged by continual activity. By moving forward, we gain that strength. We gain that endurance. By continuing to go, we can keep going. Next piece is stay on course. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. Not some other race. Not some other path. 
How often are we just moving along and then we see, oh, that looks, I might want to go over here. Oh, wait. Oh, this other person can go this way. Maybe I should go that way. Here's an opportunity somebody else had. Maybe I'm interested in that. The race set before us. Because the journey of faith isn't all, we're all going one direction, which is toward Jesus, toward what he's leading us. But it's a whole bunch of different paths that lead in this one direction. It's callings to different places, different ministries, different experiences. We have different paths in life, so we need to stay on our course, not wonder where someone else is going or what someone else gets to do. So how do we run? Where do we go? Following whom? We look to Jesus. Verse 2 from chapter 12. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith the beginner and the finisher, the bookends of it. It's all, from start to finish, it's all about him, and he's done it all. He's laid the, 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 the path out before us and called us to follow him. He's the one that gave his life so that we can walk this journey of faith. He's the one that's gifted us with the Spirit so that we can engage in this faith, and he's the one that walks with us every step of the way. So let's walk by faith. Following the one who has walked before us, who walks beside us, and who leads us in the path we should follow. These are steps of faith. Let's run. Amen.